0: Hi everyone, hope you're having an awesome day. I'm Oliver Koh, and you're listening to Malaysian Politics Explained, a podcast where we dive into the ins and outs of Malaysia's political system and discuss the policies that will help shape our future. Good evening everyone, today we are joined by the enigmatic Antio. Anne is a lawyer by profession. She is the chairperson for Bersay Sarawak. Bersay, as I'm sure many of you know, is a coalition of NGOs which seeks to reform the current electoral system in Malaysia to ensure free, clean and fair elections. Anne is also the chairperson of ROSE, or Rise of Social Efforts, a Sarawakian civil society. Seeking to empower Sarawakians to exercise their democratic rights through education and advocacy for clean and fair elections. Anne, thank you very much for joining us today.
1: Hi, Oliver. How are you? And how's everybody? Uh, Special hello to all your listeners.
0: So, first of all, can I get you to explain to some of our listeners what Rose is all
1: about? Yeah. Okay. Um. Basically, for those who uh, do not know much about uh, civil society, we are just a group of a bunch of people who came together. The founders, like our co-founders of Rose actually served as polling agents and counting agents uh, some years back. And um, after the 2013 elections, we came together uh, right after the elections and had a brainstorming session and decided among ourselves that we should, strictly speaking, or uh, should 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 uh, place importance on uh, going into a voter and civic education during the time before elections. Elections happen every five years, or in in the state of Sarawak, Actually, we have it every two and a half years, sort of, you know, because our state elections and our federal elections. Happen at different times. So we told ourselves that we cannot just sit until the next elections to serve as counting agents anymore. Uh, political education of the young
2: and uh,
1: basically Sarawakians are of, of all age and gender um, should start now. So we decided that you know after a few brainstorming sessions that voter education was very important and we're still lacking behind. So that's what we set ourselves uh, to to do, and you know, uh, organize ourselves a little bit more, and that's how Rose was founded. So when I said organize ourselves, I mean
2: um,
1: we set us, you know, we set up subcommittees uh, for voter education, for uh, things like there was a workshop, there was a committee that was responsible to draft a module for workshops, and that workshop was to capture. Uh, rural as well as young people. It was a very uh, versatile kind of uh, module and fun and interactive. And, uh, you know, throughout these few years, we have actually done quite a number of uh, those workshops. And we're hoping that through, you know, small little outreaches like that, uh, we will be able to share uh, what's important and what, how do we choose leaders, you know, the, the topics included. Like, how do we choose leaders? Critical thinking on, um, on everything, and basically, um, and also, uh, the right to vote, you know, basically drumming,
2: um,
1: sharing with young people about their right to vote. Yes. So, so that was how Rose came about. Yeah. You asked about how do we achieve our goals? Basically, I think our goals is education mm-hmm. and a true advocacy and education. These are the two main prongs that uh, we have set ourselves uh, uh, on. Um, we need to advocate for free and fair elections. That one, That's number one. At the same time, we also place a lot of importance on education as I shared it earlier
2: just now.
0: That's awesome, Anne. So, um, can you just, um, you know, maybe explain to us because, you know, to me, the idea of voter literacy, the idea of uh, voter education seems very difficult to measure you know the statistics can be very subjective so how does rose keep track of your progress how do you you know measure this idea of voter literacy
1: yeah it is subjective i mean there's no real statistics but of course uh, <clears throat> um, i can't remember remember the name of the, the study but every year um I think Institute Belia or something churns out uh, use uh, index survey, you know, or something like that. And um, you can see from the from the survey or the index that uh, political uh, uh, sensitivity they they use a term for it, but basically it's political education based uh, on the law, you know, compared to to how youth are fair during their employment. Their, their their hobbies their extracurricular things their how they handle life you know their yeah aspects of youth many all the aspects of youth political education and exposure to to government and stuff like that wasn't a law
0: yeah so is it the index. Sarawak youth index survey uh, carried out by the Institute Panelidikan Pamagana Balea. I just, I just Googled it right
2: now, you know. Something just,
1: like that. Yeah, something yeah. like that. But the, I think the Sarawak haven't made known, haven't made public their one.
2: Mm, the, the overall
1: national one has been happening for many years already. So that one is a regular yearly thingy. But the Sarawak one has not been, I mean, we do read about it, but it has not been shared openly. I, think. I can't find it on their website sometime back. Uh, yeah. So, so that, that is a, a measure, some sort of a measure. I um, see. But in so far as roles, if you're asking about roles, how we measure ourselves, I think, uh, we just have regular sort exercises. We, you know, we, we come together and do strategic planning meetings, sorry, evaluation and strategic planning meetings every two years. And that's when we gauge, you know, how well or how not well we are doing as an NGO. Mm, After all, we are just a little NGO with you know with a couple of uh, committed volunteers, uh, members. Uh, you know we're very we're, we're very um upset. Small scale, put
2: it this way.
0: Yeah, and that actually uh, brings me to to my next question, which is you know, mm. um, why did you choose to do this through a civil society? I mean, isn't it? Technically, the government's responsibility to educate the yeah, mm-hmm. to educate the people with regards to um, political literacy. Why I do think, you choose to do is, it? You know, through an NGO.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of uh, uh, political literacy, I think there are a couple of stakeholders. One of which is, of course, the election commission. Uh, in some countries, the election commission actually take on the role as. Uh, academy you know they, they teach youths they 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 voter educate they, they do go into education and training now in our case spr actually has an academy and that does training but that training is geared towards elections it's not really geared towards empowering youths you know yes they do have voter education module it's very simple one a very simple one but nevertheless they try their best huh? Um that so far government is concerned, they don't have a. I, I I'm hoping that they will get special budgets to do more uh comprehensive voter education. But I think it's the that is the role of everybody. That's the role of civil society, that's the role of political parties actually. Political parties actually have a big role to play, but that I've not seen very many uh, so-called academy or youth academy uh uh from the state political parties, now right? there are some, DAP have their own school of democracy or something. I think PKR yeah, used Sekolah to Yeah, secular democracy,
0: some something like that,
1: right? Yeah, yes. PKR used to have some, I mean, the national parties, they yep. do have some think tanks and, 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 academy for young people, like I'm not too sure about Amno and the rest of the big boys, uh, but I'm sure they have some sort of setups, ups you know. Yep. So, so that's, and civil society, yeah, we have a role to play. I mean, um, if we want to talk about reforms, uh, leveling the playing field and stuff like that, I think we need mm. civil society, strong civil society and political parties, uh, and of course the right yet yeah, to push for reforms. I mean, you've seen the Persian movement in the past, you know, but um, unfortunately, some some uh, segment of the community is Kind of like given up hope, huh? So, but the rest still continue. And, um, yeah, there's much things to be done uh, in so far as, uh, leveling the playing field, making it, um, making, uh, elections accessible to all, huh? yeah, uh, educating young people, especially.
0: Yeah. Yeah. On the
1: importance of voting and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah.
0: So it's sort of, uh, because you want it to be not partisan, is, is that right? because right now it's very it's very like party based political education
1: I'm not sure whether the political parties actually set themselves out to really educate or is it just they just want to the the people who are who the youth who are supporting them or the young people who are supporting them just keep them along that one track only or do they actually give a very general you know and uh, robust uh, approach towards political education that's
0: I, I mean, of, of course it wouldn't make sense for them to do that, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, maybe. So political uh financing and stuff like that, they, they probably would not touch on that. You
0: know? mm, yeah.
1: Political financing, very huge area of reform, institutional reform that is required.
0: Definitely, like money in politics and all that, right? Yeah. Can you share with us, you know, some of the challenges of being in the civil society? Like what are the difficulties that you face because mm. you are not like linked to the government or linked to a political party or anything.
1: I mean, there's advantages as well. Uh, in a sense, of what you just pointed out, which is that you can be nonpartisan, you can actually criticize
2: and
1: all uh, support any side that we want. Mm. Uh, on the other hand, of course, as a civil society, we need funding. We lack. Sometimes we lack capacity. You know, in other words, people who are committed. Uh, all of us are volunteers, so therefore we have limited time, uh, limited space to work on roses projects or work, work on roses vision and mission. So, so uh, in that sense, uh, build. We need to build capacity, and we also sometimes need to find find funding constantly mm. need to find funding so that uh, some of the challenges that civil society I'm not sure I'm sure we are not the only ones facing that um an organizational strength basically yeah. yeah these are the challenges that we face
0: right finally and on Rose mm. how does someone get involved if they want to
1: um by way of membership you can become a member but of course uh, being a member does not mean that you are active and contributing so we hope for members who are active and you know, who participate in our projects and programs like, yeah
0: how does one become a member uh, is there like a form or is there like a... yes, yes
1: there is an application form uh, but you would have to email us for their mm. form like, you know, I subscription see subscription fee and membership fee lifetime membership or annual membership like, you know uh, yeah yeah, I how see, how so that if, if
0: one any one. of my listeners wants to get involved, they can check out your website, basically.
1: Exactly, yeah. Okay. my at
2: rawatrose.org
0: Alright, awesome. I'll leave the link down in the mm-hmm. description for anybody or, uh, mm-hmm. any Thank one of you. you who are interested. Right. let's move on. Um, mm-hmm. And I just actually want to ask you, because in last week's episode of this podcast, mm-hmm. we discussed the delaying of Undi 18. And I noticed that Rose in a press release on the 27th of March actually compared the delay of the implementation of UNDI-18 with daylight robbery. So can you just expand on Rose's views with regards to UNDI-18 as well as um, automatic voter registration? Because some of the arguments made against these reforms were a lack of political awareness So do you think that, you know, because political awareness is so low among the youth that they shouldn't be allowed to vote?
1: No, I don't. We disagree that uh, political awareness is... is, is, But it's used as a reason, you know. Low political awareness is used as a reason. Uh, I think there is no reason for that because I think one, international standards, looking at the age of... uh, international standards are nowadays also youths are very connected to uh, what's happening Uh, good governance bad governance they can judge for themselves i don't think they are uh, We cannot rubbish youths because they are young Uh, a person's age does not so to speak (laughs) reflect political maturity you know maturity comes by Like going through the challenges, seeing history, learning from history, learning from our political forefathers, and all that kind of thing. So I disagree with the fact that uh, you uh, is is not political aware or not political aware, and therefore not ready to become voters.
2: Mm. Um, Can you uh,
0: can you tell us a bit more about what Rose's position is uh, about the delay? You know of the implementation of Undi eighteen.
1: I think there has been many confirmations and statements by uh, the election management body, in our case, uh, Suruhan Pilihan Raya, that both automatic voter registration and Indy 18 will be implemented on or by July. Now They have given themselves a deadline, July 2021, a couple more months from now. But suddenly there was this, I mean when PN government took over February 2020 no not much issue there was a con there was I think several months later there was a confirmation that okay it's on track you know everything seems to be on track but then suddenly you have this uh, uh, someone from was it was it was it Senator
2: Rais Yatim I, oh, uh,
0: I think it was I think it was Rais Yatim and I think it was also um, the EC chair, right, Abdul Ghani?
1: Yeah, late, later, later. The EC chair, but yes, it was uh Rice, I think who raised the issue at first like, well, I'm not sure like, in what context or at what event, but he was the one who brought it up. And then EC chair responded by saying, uh, due to technical inability to, to do certain technical things. Due to COVID nineteen, again COVID nineteen pandemic is uh, the reason. So um, of course, when the youth heard that, or the youth groups heard that, they were not happy. Um, well, uh, some were political parties. I think what do you call it? Muda was a protest, protest, group of Muda. did um, say something, and later on, I think the youth took out an action, action in the. In the courts, huh? it's still going through the courts at the moment.
0: Yep, uh, I think that's a judicial no, no, review.
1: Yeah, there's a judicial review going on uh, regarding uh, the new turn or the whatever you call it <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, on only 18. So, um, uh, yeah, that Rose's position is is, uh, we are saying that. Um, Please stick with what you have promised. Two years is more than enough to streamline, to what you call align your computer systems and so on so on. Yeah,
2: um,
1: with, with uh, JPNs or, or and It's time to do the ADR. Of course, there are some calls by certain segments of uh, civil society to say, let's do only 18 first. Forget about your AVR. We know AVR is, you know, more technical in nature. But let the 18, 18 years old and above, um, apply apply. You know, we've been applying all this while anyway. The 21 year olds have been applying all this while. So there's been some calls to be decouple is that what you call it? Decouple the yeah, yeah. two probably the two new to sort laws of
0: split and... um the eighteen voting like the eight the, yes, the reduction yes, of the age yes. as well as the, the automatic voter registration to split those two into two separate sovereigns, ah, yes, right? Yes, yes. yes. But, but do you see... think that um oh go on, go on, sorry to interrupt. I
1: think no good explanation given. No no explanation of why that this this deadline or self set deadlines deadline have not is not complyable or cannot I think the explanations
0: like that they gave was uh, you know covid which not is like the, the standard the standard uh, explanation these days right What do you think about you know using coronavirus as an excuse mm, mm, mm. yeah
2: they
1: seem to be using mainly that
0: do you think it's a valid valid excuse?
1: Um, I think they've got to come up with more solid reasons as to why they can't fulfill the July twenty twenty one deadline.
0: Yeah, that makes sense because yeah. saying coronavirus is very you know it's very vague, right? It's not actually yeah. centering around any specific. Yeah, like- I
1: agree. Uh, maybe just rewind a little bit just now when we were talking about. Uh, Automatic voter registration. Uh, uh, just to give a, a scale of what's what's at stake here, uh, I'll give you some figures. I wrote I wrote it down just now. Um in the 2018 elections or general elections, Sarawak had this number of voters on the voter roll. Okay, December 2018 numbers of voters. In Straubach is one million two hundred and twenty nine hundred and sixty, so basically one point two million. Huh? Now, in December 2020, sorry, 31 December 2020, the number of voters in Straubach is one million two hundred fifty eight six hundred fifty three. That's an increase of thirty seven thousand six hundred and ninety three hmm. only. Uh, over a period of 36 months, uh, counting yep. 2018, 2019, 2020. Now, divide that by three years, that's 10,000, around 10,000 per year. Now, which means 10,000 Sarawakians are getting themselves registered per year. Um, whereas, number of people reaching 21 years old, Sarawakians reaching 21 years old, every year in our state, it's around forty thousand to fifty thousand. That's the birth rate, kind of birth rate, you know. For addition of the twenty-one years old is twenty thousand. Uh, sorry, forty thousand to fifty thousand because wow. from the school enrollments, you can see, yeah, uh, every year when little kids get enrolled in school,
2: the yeah. newspaper
1: is going to publish, you know, forty-five thousand, fifty thousand kids are enrolled. So that's how many yeah. thousand Sarawakians are. Uh, going to school you know starting to go to school 21 so that's how we know so that means only like one-fifth of Sarawakians are getting themselves registered okay yeah. that has a lot of implications number one people i don't know don't care don't want to register don't know that they are supposed to be voters when it comes to 21 yeah. or is it law political literacy you know or not being taught in school or Whatever that they need to become responsible citizens by getting themselves registered as a voter, or the other implication is of course, uh, uh, yeah, may, sorry, many many implications. So when you have vote automatic voter registration, all these fifty thousand or forty thousand child will automatically become registered voters. Um, of course, whether they go out to vote is another matter. You know, yeah. that's where we. Play, you know all of us the stakeholders that I mentioned earlier especially the political parties because you want these 50,000 to vote for you
2: <laughs> yeah. is
1: responsible for uh, helping to, to out, register right? yeah, yeah. yeah helping to what do you call educate them to become good citizens, to exercise their right and so
0: on right awesome so now I just want to ask you a little bit um, you know because in your position as Bersia uh, Sarawak Chair I know that Bassa actually looks a lot at election reform and voting reform, so mm. can I just ask your opinion about what are some critical areas of voter reform that you would like to focus on? I
1: guess uh, looking I mean relating it to Strawak's scenario of context yeah that's what we want to do right? yep um. Is, and then also looking at this time when uh, the COVID pandemic hasn't left us yet. But yet, you know, our state assembly or our day one is coming to its end. In fact, which it's, it's, it's going to reach its fifth year. And if there was no emergency, it would have been dissolved on the is it 6th of June, is it?
2: I
0: think there I think is a. Not. Is scheduled to be the seventh of August.
1: Yeah, so so because of the emergency, none none of that it doesn't automatically dissolve. So we yep. don't know what's going what's going to happen some But um, basically, um, if it's going to happen, if state elections is going to happen, say a little bit after first of August, within sixty days. And still COVID hasn't left us completely. Um, the percentage of people getting vaccinated is not as high as the government expected. Um, and we have to have our elections. Then we need to, uh, the state, uh, the SPR needs to be prepared for it. Uh, meaning that there are calls that are, we've been actually calling for absentee voting reform. Uh, What we mean by absentee voting, um, in Malay, it's tembundi tidak hadir. In a normal scenario, when you vote, when when there is elections, every voter must turn up himself or herself. Um, Well, every 21 year old in the current case, needs to go um, assuming that he or she is a registered voter, he must turn up in person. Yeah. But if there are provisions in the law that allow certain categories of people that don't need to turn up in person, they can do an advanced voting which is applicable for the the army, the security forces. They are all advanced voters and they show up like five days before the campaign end, ends, yeah. usually, or before polling day, to cast their vote. It's at a special voting station. Usually... um within their own camps or, yeah, the police. Um,
0: sort of like postal think, voting you know, like that, right?
1: Yeah, it's, it's not it's not postal voting, it's normal posting. Mm. But their votes get counted only on the polling day. Lah. But it's called advanced voting because they are voting in advance. You know? These are these, are, these are so-called people qualified under the law to vote in advance. Otherwise, everybody must turn up on voting day. You know? Yeah. Now the other category is postal voters So, they get to vote by post. Yeah. Um several categories of postal voters. Are, one is of course media personnel who cannot who are on duty reporting and all that you know they cannot go to vote on polling day. The other category is um, uh, people who are you
2: know like
1: health officials or, or usually in the in the in the in the areas of this was recently extended to nine agencies. Again security type of government uh, public servants no? yep.
2: who, yep.
1: who cannot go who maybe on duty on the day on the day yep. of polling, therefore they apply to be a postal voter and they yep. can vote by post. The other category of course uh, that most people know the overseas voters. Huh? Yep. Overseas voters those who are uh, number one diplomats who are public serving as public servants of the state uh, outside of the country cannot come back. So therefore, they apply to be they apply to be postal voters. The other one is just normal civilians uh, who apply to be voters because they know they cannot come they cannot come back to to work in Malaysia. So uh, that civilians, uh, students also under scholarships, students who are who are. On government scholarships, also entitled to be to be to be postal voters, and we want this is a reform that we want. We want this this uh 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 over number one uh, first category um Sabah Sabahans and Sarawakians who live and work in the neighboring regions of Malaysia, because at the moment they are excluded. They are not allowed to vote by post.
2: Uh, people mm. who are from
1: Kalimantan, southern Thailand, Brunei, Singapore. Uh, these are the few of the regions that are around. The assumption is that they can travel back to Sarawak and Sabah to vote on voting day. As you know, Sarawak is such a huge state. Sabah is also very, very huge in the area, although not as big as us. But uh, these categories of people must be enfranchised so that they get to the right to vote no one is going to come back to work. If you work in Singapore, and you have to go through the 14 days quarantine, let's say, la, let's say the 14-day quarantine rule, SOP still exists huh, at a time when we're having elections. So um, that's the first category, those who are considered overseas, but in the neighbouring regions. Yeah. The second category is, of course, a lot of Sabah, our and Zerawakians actually work, and live in West Malaysia. Uh, well, there's a lot of reasons why many of us live there. La. I think yeah. you probably have, you, you and I have relatives, yeah. <laughs> relatives, friends who you know work in KL. Or yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so very, very, very common to, common to, to be very working in It's Very common, is Yeah, it's
1: very Singapore. common. Other, other than Singapore, it's very common to have friends and family working. Yeah. Yeah. so these are the guys who are going to be affected as well so we want them to have the right to at least be a postal voter mm, definitely SPR to, SPR to come up with some kind of um, advanced voting arrangements or advanced voting option you know special voting arrangement so they,
0: so they won't need persona. to travel back so they won't need to travel back I see I
1: mean SPR has to has to date so they know about our demands, they know about Bursai's calls for, for for absentee voting to be reformed. They even have an internal committee in within the own SPR itself that's supposed to work on absentee voting reforms. They know about a problem. You know the problem is not new. In two thousand eleven we already uh lah, ha, at that time has already put forward these reforms to the parliamentary select uh, special parliamentary select committee um or sitting on, on on electoral reform already so so this is not a new subject matter it's just that the reforms has not been uh, intentionally worked on by the government of the day for all these years now. so um okay the other category of, 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 of reform that is a little bit may be difficult to achieve, but um, you and I, again, we know that there are a lot of rural folks who live and work in the bigger cities of Sarawak, you know? yes. Niri, Kuching, Idulu, you know. Yes, of but course. actually, there are voters yeah. back in their own constituencies, like you know, yeah. Belaga, lah, Baram, lah, elsewhere, lah, huh? all these in uh, uh, pedalaman punya apa uh constituencies. Yeah. So. Uh, we are saying that uh, we're calling upon the SPR uh, to, to, to to give them the right to remote, to, to, to vote.
0: Have remote, remote voting, voting. basically. Ah, right? re- yeah.
1: Like remote voting, uh, uh, yeah. yes. And I think it's important that SPR increases the number of, uh, I'm not sure whether it's possible, but we do read, uh, and I think we, we do observe like the New Zealand elections and the US elections, they have increased the number of days where, they can vote in the yeah. Yeah. meaning that people you know you avoid crowds you know you don't have to squish yourself at a polling stations on polling day you know nine it's even five, more important you know? now right, with, yeah. with coronavirus. Yeah, that's right. You, you don't want, you don't want to have so many voters you know in, in one polling center so if you increase the number of days and uh, of course uh, uh, SPR will say oh it requires uh, uh, legislative uh, changes or amendments. will sure be resources, uh, that's resources,
0: problems. Problems. and resources,
1: <laughs> and money, and funds, yes. Many, many, many things they can say. <laughs> Which is true. We don't, we don't deny that. We yeah. don't deny that. You will need to train your, your workers, your election, uh, uh, workers, and so on. and Even the party, polling agents will also have to be trained because there will be new, new regulations, new, new things, you know, new new yeah. procedures and so on. And even voters ourselves also, we probably need to know our rights as well, uh, that we can have this option of voting this way, this way, this way, or this way. You
0: know? mm. so, but do you think, do you think, I just want to ask a question, because you did bring up the US elections, right? So I know there have yeah. been a lot of um, allegations of voter fraud being conducted in the US in some of the Districts in uh, Georgia, I think, was one. So, do you think that by, you know, increasing this absentee voting, increasing this um, postal voting, you are opening sort of the way for more voter fraud to happen? Um. Actually, if the if
2: the
1: SPR is properly trained and parties are not and, and workers are not the workers and the stakeholders are not biased in any way everybody follows the election rules um, uh, there should be very minimal voter fraud in so far as postal voting and mm. uh, advanced voting are concerned yeah. um, you know um, enforcement unfortunately is another matter lah. Uh, whether SPR can do enforcement. They're going to say, you know, we we are not, we are not uh, the enforcers and so on. Um, I see. So but you so would so say that in uh, principle, yeah, it yeah. is it is a good, thing, la. a good thing, In principle, is a good thing. In principle, is a good thing because it enfranchises
2: hmm. a lot
1: more participation. Imagine yeah. if our our voting population actually our voter turnout is actually quite low already. Uh, with COVID and pandemic, it might be lower. So if you don't balance it with, you know, alternative uh, safe way of conducting elections, then uh, I don't know what's going to happen to your voter participation and subsequently legitimacy, you know, of, yeah. of the institution, right? Because you're going to have so few percentage actually voting for the ruling government of the day. Low low voter participation means legitimacy can be questioned.
2: Hmm. Yes, of course, because of, you have of a
1: the democracy. Yeah,
0: yeah. We do not have that overwhelming yeah. majority to say that oh, uh, the ruling government has such a mandate. Especially when voting, like low the numbers of people who have voted are uh, low, right?
2: Yes, yeah. of
1: course. The from the low number of voters often out, there will still be people voting. For the ruling government against the ruling government, there will be a myriad of parties yes, that will be contesting, and and you know you, you will get certain percentages, uh, uh, whatever. Uh, doesn't mean that you have to be you have to get fifty percent or more to become the ruling uh, government. But what we are just saying is that your participation means you're excluding you know a lot of voters just because of this pandemic, and if you do nothing. To so-called, uh, uh, if you do nothing to to assure people that they will be safe, that they can have a that they can vote safely, uh, that they don't that they don't have to to uh, what do you call, go to the crowded polling station and so on, you know, and, um, that there are other ways of actually casting my vote.
0: Then, then you are not doing your part as an election management body. La. That makes a lot of sense and thanks. Uh finally, I just want to move for the conversation. Just want to steer the conversation towards something more uh how to say more more current, more present, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. which is the like the emergency ordinances which are passed because of COVID-19. So Can you just speak a bit about the potential consequences that may result from the emergency, especially with regards to the fact that uh, Parliament has not been able to sit since the emergency started? Mm. Yeah. So, I think, was it January
2: the 12th or
1: 13th, somewhere then, this year? Uh, we were greeted with a <laughs> with a new New Year message new year from surprise. the agong, is that right? <laughs> yeah, New Year surprise. And the agong uh, or the Yang Batuan agong declared an Im- a national emergency. Um, and of course that affected, I mean, every state lah, ha, including Sarawak. So, um, and the good thing about this emergency is that there is an ending date, which is the first of August. 2021. Now, the very first, uh, uh, it's called promulgation now, or otherwise known as ordinance number one, uh, which came out a few days after the pronouncement
2: of emergency.
1: Uh, From there, you can see that all parliamentary and state legislative assembly meetings are cancelled with it, or suspended, not allowed to sit. Yeah and the other thing that is suspended is elections i think that's principally what the ruling government wants to do to suspend elections in this time of pandemic so no elect no by election no state elections no parliamentary elections so so during this time supposed to be no politicking lah, but actually there is lah. <laughs> so the at the very beginning in january i think we convene a forum or a, a lot of people convene forums and discussions and webinars to discuss about the emergency and the impacts of the emergency. So one of our concerns as Rose and also per was that um, because there is uh, no parliamentary sitting, no state assembly sitting during this time, this means that the I mean um, for all the listeners who may not be aware, um parliamentary sittings are uh places where um uh, the backbenchers you not know, the your MPs uh, gets the right to ask questions uh, to ask questions on the policy decisions made by the government of the day when i say government of the day i mean the cabinet you know? that's why when you when you watch the they one they uh, one rakyat sitting uh, you will always see uh you sometimes see um, the ministers
2: are replying, you know,
1: they will give a reply to certain uh, questions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so that's how the backbenchers uh, bring, I would call, questions on the policy, bring, you know, put forward maybe alternative policies from the, from side or from opposition side. to say, you know, look, your policy like this, like this, huh, is not you know, it's rubbish.
0: Yeah, It's not the best. Why don't you do this? It's not the best not way not the to best. do it, right? Yeah. Like, it's
1: not the best way. You could probably do this.
0: You could probably do Correct.
1: that. Correct. Yeah. That's how, that's, uh, that's, that reflects this, this kind of, uh, ability to question, uh, reflects on it. It's what we mean by checks and balance. Checks yep. and balance, meaning that, uh, the executive, which is made up of the ministers and the prime minister, uh, is being checked by the other members of uh, of parliament
0: yep.
2: so uh, so, this so it's, it's a bit like the
0: executive branch being checked by the legislative branch right
2: yeah
1: yeah you can say that yes yeah. uh, so so this uh the fact that there's no sitting takes away that that uh, that opportunity lah. put it this way to 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 question and ask uh, the executive, what are you doing? You know, uh, how, wh- wh- why, you, how, how, are you spending? Why are you spending this much of money? You know, how are you spending this much of money? So, um, well, thankfully the 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 budget debate uh, was over already By the time the emergency was that one, but I think they had to do that because. Uh, Otherwise, it would be, you know, in serious trouble if there's no, (laughs) no budget for, for the, for all the various, the various ministries, uh, or, yeah, the the ministry. So, um, so that's one, one setback of the, of the, one disadvantage, uh, of, 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 of the, of the emergency. Um, so far, I don't know whether, I, I, we cannot say that, um, it has been abused in any way unless subsequently, you know, people find out that, yeah, certain, certain, certain monies or people, the right year's monies have been spent, um, unaccountably, you know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all under, all under the big umbrella of COVID that you mentioned, yes, right? Yeah. The rationale, the raison d'etre is the, the COVID
2: the situation.
1: Mm. So unless in future later, you know, our our MPs uh be there backbenchers from ruling government or the opposition, they they, they can they can you know, they, they they need to keep track. I mean that's one of the reasons why some people vote the opposition to yeah to, to become a check and balance on on the ruling government. So um the ruling government at the moment is also weak I think in terms of numbers. So, uh, um, at all costs, try and you know prevent any sort of elections. Uh, allegedly,
0: allegedly.
1: Are, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. La, allegedly. Uh, within the ruling coalition, also, there are protagonists as well. So, I mean, it's it sort of fragmented, or pregnant, fragmented to some scale. La. It's not so
0: black so, and white, la, right? Of course. Yeah, it's
1: not black and white. So, anyway, it's... Um, uh, but then again, we, 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 if you, if you, if you remember all this party hopping, yeah. You know, uh, that was happening. Before. Oh yes, I
0: even, um, I we even, see. we even have an episode here on it. Uh, if anybody oh, wants to okay. check it out, yeah, we did, that's we did talk great. about party hopping.
1: Okay, that's great. Yeah, but but that was, yeah, I think that that is something. There's a big issue that uh, I need need to be tackled. You know, um, how does uh, yeah, strong. What, what, what's the meaning of strong,
2: uh,
1: opposition and so on? How, how, how do you reform the opposition in a way? You know, do you have uh, shadow cabinets? Uh, how do you make use of shadow cabinets to put forward policies that are pro-right yet? You know, like say alternative policies, which might be better than the ruling ones and, um, and so on and so on. You know, so, so,
2: so many. So many
1: issues. Be, if we want to go into institutional reforms and parliamentary reforms and all that, yeah. So of course, yeah. That's that's maybe a topic for another day, lah, huh? <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, one final question before we end our conversation tonight is um, regarding the Sarawak election, which, as we both know, is scheduled for August twenty twenty one. What do you think that the effects would be if these polls are delayed? Do you think it would be, you know, detrimental to democracy in Sarawa in any way, or you know, does it not have any that, that big an effect? What are your thoughts? Um
1: okay, I think both of us kind of agree that <laughs> the emergency ends on the first of August. I'm not sure how how they're going to interpret the the ordinance that talks about, uh, I mean the the ordinance I was referring to, uh, whether Dune will dissolve on the first of August as well, yeah, or does does it have to be a special act or a special
0: so, of course, we election. don't we don't know whether or not the election we don't know. Will actually yeah, we don't know. will actually be yeah. delayed at this point, right? But can yeah, I just yeah, ask, you yeah. know... We,
1: we, like we, don't know when, we don't know when it will happen.
0: Yeah, we don't yeah, know when it will but, happen. Yeah,
1: but it will, it, um, but uh, if it gets delayed,
0: course, what do you think that the repercussions will be upon um, our society? If it
1: gets delayed... Uh, which means that the ruling government continues to rule uh, beyond their mandate uh, because emergency ordinance also state that the executive continues uh, to function uh, as per normal. Already. So that means the, the Zerawak government will get to continue uh, beyond its five-year mandate, which probably is uh, unprecedented. Uh, uh, the other con, the, the concern I have is that the emergency ordinance itself does say, oh sorry, the, the federal constitution, that there's a sub clause that says that the ordinance will be in effect for six months thereafter. Meaning that for six months after the 1st of August, it's going to, the law stays the same, you know. So the worry, the worrying part for me is, does it mean that our state elections, or our doom will not dissolve until much, much later. Uh, you know, if, if, if young Li Patuan Agong doesn't, doesn't see eye to eye to say, doesn't, doesn't allow, doesn't allow our state to have our state elections, you know. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, again, again, the, the concern is, uh, the, the the government uh, going beyond its mandate and uh, we don't know what's I mean if it's one year it's gonna it, it's a long time if it's six months huh? I mean so many things have happened so far as the federal parliament is concerned huh? so so it's a long time six six months if it goes on and uh the call unchecked or whatever you know that, that's uh, that's a concern for every Yeah, probably.
2: Yeah, yeah. Should be, like,
0: should be. yeah so because I, of course, I, they I, are going beyond their constitutional mandate, right? Mm, mm, mm. All right, I think that's um, all the questions we have and also all, all the time we okay. have for tonight. Thanks so much for coming on, Anne, and thank you to everyone for listening. To find out more about Anne and Rose, check out their website at www.sarawakrose.org. You can find the link in the description below and you can also check out their Facebook page.
1: Thank you so much, Oliver, for your invitation. Uh, It's a pleasure and uh, opportunity for me to share with the people of Sarawak. Uh, let's hope that many young people are tuning in, huh? <laughs> So if you <laughs> if won't you just, just reach your twenty first so birthday, uh, quote, ah, yeah 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 kind of yeah yeah, that's a lot of people
0: yeah. from everywhere.
1: Right. Okay. So I think uh probably one last point or one last message. Those of you who reach twenty one years of age, um I mean you've just heard you know um uh, Oliver talking about the only lapan blood being delayed thing that you can do to help yourself is to go to register yourself as a voter as your twenty (laughs) first (laughs) birthday. Twenty-first birthday present. Remember to do that when you when you celebrate your twenty first birthday. Yeah. Just register yourself at the post office. That's probably the most convenient. Or through some through political party uh or assistant registration officers, like, you know, Rose, Rose, one, one of, a uh, couple of us at Rose are assistant registration officers. We are empowered by the SPR to actually do voter registration. So you can approach us as well. We're not the only ones doing it. Yeah, there are many other uh, authorized uh, uh, assistant registration officers doing registration of voters. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's my last closing message. Yeah.
0: That's all for this episode of Malaysian Politics Explained. Hope you guys enjoyed the content and if you have any ideas for future episodes, do let me know by DMing me on Instagram or on Facebook. And remember, register to vote.